Hi, I'm Ryan Reynolds. As owner of Mint Mobile, I couldn't wait to make my first commercial for Spotify listeners. I thought, I'll tell them to go to mintmobile.com slash Spotify to get premium wireless for just $15 a month. Then I thought, they'll never believe the owner bragging, so I'll bring on a real Mint customer who knows it's premium wireless for just $15 a month. Then I thought, how will they know it's not just me acting as a customer? Then I thought, what if they don't think I'm a good enough actor to play a customer? Then I cried and went to bed the end. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. Peloton doesn't just make bikes. They also make treadmills and rowers. With Peloton, you can do a quick ride on the bike, a power walk on the tread, or a full body boot camp on the row. So it doesn't matter if you exercise daily or you're new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. Try Peloton bikes, tread, or row risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Welcome to the... Monday, February 13th edition of the PFN Forecast. This is the post-Super Bowl edition on a beautiful Monday. We're going to talk about uh, the bets that won, some of the ones that lost, some of the things that we bet live in-game. I'm going to bemoan Rihanna throwing me for a loop, the bet that I didn't, I almost placed. I should have listened to someone much smarter than me. Alas, we're going to talk about the National Anthem Syndicate holding fourth downs um, it's going to be a great podcast and we're going to talk about what is up to bet next Super Bowl futures for next year uh, and a lot more. Let's rock. start with the, the most pressing question brad you placed an incredibly sharp bet that combined the super bowl and manchester united how's that going i think our strongest position of the entire game was just our bullishness on kenneth gainwell and if folks remember that bet was kenneth gainwell i think it was plus a half perception if i'm remembering correctly um, against the goals scored by man united kenneth gainwell had four receptions in the game and uh, Man United did not match that. So that was our, our top uh, cross-sport bet of the weekend. Was, it was an easy winner for the people. That was absolutely amazing. So I placed a, uh, a multi-sport bet, uh, a, a parlay. Okay. Want to get your guys' take on this. Okay. So this is members of the printing press will appreciate this. So Chiefs money line. Okay. Suns NBA champions. Uh, Dodgers, uh, Major League Baseball World Series champions. And then the, the fourth leg is the U.S. Open for this upcoming season. Max Homa, the, game, the tournament is being placed at Los Angeles Country Club. A member of the printing press, okay, a well, uh, very smart, um, profitable, and uh, esteemed gambler, okay, who shall not be named here. Uh, had some intel about Max Homa having like the three lowest scores at that tournament. Um, and, or sorry, not the tournament, that course. And so he's like 32 to one. So I put all those together. That was the last bet I placed for kickoff. <laughs> and we're, we're one and out. We're one and out. So I'm, I'm feeling good. Um, Arjun, what about you? How did, uh, how's your betting day go? 
Yeah, it was a it was a good bet, decent betting day for me. Uh, I told you guys in our private chat, I had like close to like forty bets going. So, some long shots, like some like straight bet, like good like normal straight bets at like even odds, but ended up uh, a couple units. So happy with all of that, and got some good live plays in that. Uh, uh, you know, happy to talk about if we get get to that. Did you um did you bet live at all? Yeah, um, my favorite bet that. I was like really happy about uh it was the four it was Patrick Mahomes to record 10 plus rushing yards in the fourth quarter. It was one of the live quarter market props on FanDuel. And I'm like, Mahomes, I, I I've seen Mahomes take over a game with his legs against my charters way too many times. And it was a it was a one-score game, and you know, he easily eclipsed out with that 26-yard run. I thought I was gonna get some PTSD with the 49ers QB Neals, where but I didn't think he was gonna get negative 17 yards with QB Neals at the end of the game. So uh that 10 yard rushing prop was a uh, plus 450. So it was a nice little payout for, uh, you know, to end the game. And, you know, that, that was kind of like the only live bet I had uh, going in that game. Yeah. The, uh, uh, the Chiefs live at halftime uh, got up to like plus 360. At least that's what I uh, ended up getting it at. Now, the reason I was thinking actually about betting the Eagles because Mahomes gets, uh, you know, injured and he can barely walk. By the time they finished uh, the quarter, he could jog. He jogged just fine to the tunnel. So I saw that and I was like, <laughs> if this guy's alive, then they're in really, really, really good shape um, because, uh, you know, the, the markets are obviously going to think he's he's not in a good spot. So that was my big one. Honestly, that saved me because I, I put a lot um, into, um, you know, some of those kind of correlated SGPs um, and, uh, you know, none of those quite... Uh, quite got home. Ben, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I was I had the Eagles futures that I was pending hedging on basically. So I did take a decent amount of uh Chiefs pregame basically and tried to get out to like plus three or plus three and a half. There were some books that were like weirdly, weirdly not juiced correctly at plus three and a half, kind of towards the beginning before the game. So I took some of that. Um and I did bet Chiefs in game basically. I think the highest I actually saw them on the spread was like plus six and a half, which I thought they would actually be almost further out when they were down basically two touchdowns there in the second quarter. But they actually, the market was like weirdly anchored, I would say towards the chiefs. So I did bet them some um, at like plus three and a half straight up. And then I think I had them like plus two ten or something um, on the money line in the second and third quarter. So it, it worked out well. Patch Mahomes over 2.5, the, the forgotten, you know, printing press bet basically was, I don't know, I don't want to say it was a lock, but it it, it definitely felt like an easy victory, I would say, at the end of it, basically. So that was good. Mm-hmm. No patch Mahomes touch interception was also good. Um, so yeah, it was, you know, like I like you said, like outside of some long shot, same game parlays, uh, that was it was there was just weirdly not enough Patrick Mahomes basically to get any of those home. Uh I, I would say the rest worked out pretty well, I would say. So the, you know, it's interesting. The I felt Patrick Mahomes, you know, the Kelsey was running wide open first couple of uh, possessions. It's like, you know, this is going to be a nightmare. And it was interesting. I was so I bet uh, Chiefs live uh, twice for a decent amount. One was after the first Eagles score, and one was at halftime. But I was preparing to bet them again, and was hoping that that Seattle or sorry, Seattle that Philly would score. Instead, there was a fumble six and the other way. And weirdly, that play, I thought, really hurt the Mahomes overs. Because if they don't get that, right, 
and you know say say even Philly has to punt, the the Chiefs have to go down and score. They they throw the ball. They continue to establish the pass. Instead, they score right there, and then Philly gets the ball right back and matriculates the ball down the field. And so time of possession in the first half was just you know completely messed up. Then you had the Kadarius Tony return. You had a lot of kind of things that allowed them to rack up points without him having to go off. And Pacheco played well enough that, you know, they could keep running. I, I felt that that was a good bet in process. Just didn't, didn't kind of come through. I mean, even Juju, like Juju had what was it five, six receptions in the game. Like you figure he's that involved, you know, Mahomes must be going off. The interesting point real quick on the Kadarius Tony. I mean, first of all, it just shows, you know, I know he doesn't play a ton, but you give a, a compensatory third round pick for huge punt return and the touchdown. That's all you really need to get out of him. But also I thought it was interesting that Philly, their punter, Aaron Sipos, was hurt for the end of the year. He mm. did get elevated for this game. They only punted twice. And I think maybe in part because of that, but the kick to Tony was a 38 yard punt. I want to say that yeah. he did not hit cleanly. I think like an underrated storyline is like, if you just keep the backup punter in, does that Tony, you know, magical return even happen? I, I don't know. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, so, I mean, that to me was the decision of the game. And I know this has probably been talked about a lot by many different people, but this is eerily similar to the last Eagles Super Bowl, which they won, where with six, I think with 650 left in the game, they're down by one point. To the New England Patriots, they have the ball at their own 40. It was 40 or 42 or something like that. Fourth and one with Nick Foles, they go for it. And they end up converting on a pass to uh, Zach Ertz and they end up winning the game. They weren't going to punt the ball to Tom Brady, who had been on fire in that game. This very, very similar situation. I think they were about seven yards further back. It was fourth and two in this situation. They had been aggressive all season, if that's the right term. It's, it's not, but we'll call it that. They've been woke on fourth down is probably a better term uh, in going for it. You could have lined up the 300 men fighting in Sparta on the other side of the Eagles on a QB sneak, and they would have no shot. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, it was a joke. I mean, they, 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 everyone in the stadium could have been on the other side of the line against the Eagles, and they would have gotten you know a first down on a QB sneak. They punt there, obviously ends up being returned. Um, but that to me, I, everyone wants to talk about the uh, the penalty that was or wasn't. You're not in that situation if you press down on the gas the way you have all season. Um, so to me, that was the biggest blunder. I, I don't know how you guys felt about it. I also would jump in. I was surprised. Yes, it's a longer distance, but the fourth and six at the Kansas City 15-yard line when they were up, I want to say 24, 21, and they kicked to go up six. And as we've talked about, as Aaron's mm -hmm. written on the site before, you know, kicking a field goal to go up six late in the game is not great. It, you know, and of course, Kansas City comes down, scores a touchdown, and takes the lead right afterwards. So I get that six is not as easy as two or three. You can't do your you know cheat code sneak uh, QB sneak play that I think was literally like seven of seven last night. You probably mm -hmm. can't do that for six yards, but what? They had the Jalen Hurts draw play on fourth and five that worked earlier in the game. Like, I think they probably should have gone for it there. If not, you give the Chiefs a long field, you still have the lead, and you're only you're up a field goal. And Andy Reid already made mm -hmm. a dumb field goal decision earlier in the game that they actually missed. Um, and, you know, so I, that that one surprised me a bit as well. Wasn't there? Say, sorry, so real there quick, was, Ben. There was actually one. Well, go ahead, go ahead, Troy. I, I was just gonna say on that on that before that fourth down. Wasn't there a penalty? Was it was it fourth and one, and then they got a false start to move them back? 
or there was a penalty maybe on the third down that moved them back to like third and 13. I want to say in that situation. It was third and 11. Well, so it was first down. No, Hurts took a sack on first down to make it second 11 and then incomplete pass. And yeah, so. Okay. I'm thinking about that wrong. Go ahead, Ben. I was gonna say I do I know everyone like think and and for the most part Sirianni did make the correct decisions on fourth down but I even think like when the Chiefs went up by one or whatever and they did punt back to Kadarius Tony like that was three straight they they had three straight pass plays on that down they did gain five yards on first down to Dallas go got her and then they throw the ball twice on second and five and third and five or whatever and they do complete it on third down or whatever but so it goes to fourth and three but it's like one run play there on second or third down and they're in like fourth and one fourth and two again. And they are very much, you know, in prime position to sneak once again. And then, you know, the, the punt doesn't happen. They maybe take the lead once again, if they do move down the field. So I, I do think like a, there were a few instances. I know everybody wants to say Nick Sirianni kind of coached them to victory in this one, but uh, I do think there were some slip ups at, at the end, which very severely, I would say tilted in the chiefs favor. And Ben, they did do that earlier, right? There were a couple like mm-hmm. third and intermediates, like third and sixes where they ran the ball and then got mm-hmm. to fourth and short and then just used the cheat code play, <laughs> which we'll, we'll see if, st- if that still exists in 2023. But, but yeah, there were some blunders, no question. He wasn't perfect. Um, but I do think he kept them in this game a lot with a lot of his decisions in the first half. And, and Jalen hurts. Like, I, you know, he finished with an uh, over 90 PFF grade. He had five big time throws, did not have a turnover worthy throw. You go, I watched some of those throws back. I mean, they, there were some throws that were just amazing. I mean, one throw to Goddard. And by the way, our guy, Dallas Goddard, that he is, I mean, Kelsey's amazing, but Dallas Goddard made some incredible plays in that game. Some of those catches were really dynamite when they had to have them. Hertz made a couple of really good throws there. Throw to AJ Brown, the throw to uh, I want to say was it Pascal or Watkins? They actually dropped it. Watkins well, dropped the one. He did have the <laughs> one, the, the, the throw down the sideline to Devontae Smith that wasn't the catch either at the end of the yep. first half was really a good throw too, basically. Yeah, and that was a you know, there were some calls that you could be mad about. That's certainly one of them. I mean, that was close. I, I thought they that was gonna gonna hold. Um, so so Hertz plays really, really well. On the other side, like Mahomes, I think, you know, the, given the fact that his his uh, ankle was not 100%, it was an incredible game. But I'm going to ask you this, Arjun, because I feel like we're talking about Sirianni, we're talking about Hurts, we're talking about Mahomes. What about Andy Reid? Because Mahomes has fewer than 200 passing yards. They, they score touchdowns on every possession until they needed a field goal to win the game um, in the second half. And, um, you know, I, I no Tyreek Hill, like an injured Patrick Mahomes. What did you think about Andy Reid in this game? Yeah, I thought I thought he called a great game. Um, the only I think misstep he had was kicking the field goal on fourth and three in the first half. But one of the things he did was utilize motion a ton. He uh, utilized motion on seventy seven point eight percent of their plays. Like overall last night, their season average was sixty four point five coming into the game. And once they got into the red zone, it was motion, motion, motion. And I, I am curious if. You know, I mean, I think Eric Bieniemy came out and said he looked at one play from the Jags game and said, this is what the Eagles do against motion. And they hammered that all night. And going into the game, the Eagles actually had the fourth worst EPA per play in the red zone against motion, the second worst success rate allowed against motion in the red zone. So the Chiefs obviously found like a huge tendency that the Chiefs, uh, the Eagles defense really struggled against. And they hammered it home multiple times, and especially in those high leverage situations in the red zone. I mean, they had pretty much three, almost they had two touchdowns coming directly off of a 
fake fly sweep and one Jarek McKinnon pass, which I think should have been a touchdown. Had a, mm-hmm. um, I think it was Avante Maddox not had a great play on the ball in terms of his tackling, but it was it was a masterful game plan by Andy Reid, and I think that was one of the best games I've ever seen him call in a, in a big situation. Yeah, I, I would agree. I also think, I mean, it's a shame that you can't give, you're not going to give MVP, obviously, to a coach. Um, I, I think Mahomes kind of got it by default and probably rightfully so, but maybe if it wasn't for that fumble, like I think there's a case to be made for, um, and this will probably never happen with Mahomes, but a case to be made for the MVP being a player on the losing team. I thought Jalen Hurts was absolutely insane in that game. Um, and, you know, if things beyond his control don't go the other way. I mean, seeing what he might've been able to do with a chance to go for on the fourth down or to get the ball back with one thirty left, we could be talking about one of the most incredible games in Super Bowl history, you know, by any player. I mean, that, that's kind of what it was shaping up uh, to be. So I don't know. I'll, I'll just uh, kind of throw that out there. Any other thoughts on the game before we get to the important things, which are the uh, national anthem and the halftime show? I will say kind of on your point of Jalen Hurts, like I think there was at least some understanding that he could very much like blow this game for Philadelphia. And obviously he did the exact opposite. And I'm not sure, you know, it, it doesn't, we don't know exactly where he's going to land on like a veteran deal or anything, but it very much seems like he has arrived and is here to, I would say like stay in a lot of ways. And they are very much like, the class of the NFC top to bottom. I know they're going to lose some guys defensively and everything else. And they are obviously going to have to change things. If hurts, you know, goes from what is by far the most team friendly deal, you know, that we have in the NFL right now to something where he is paid, you know, handsomely and for what he's doing on the field. But like, I think with the combination of Sirianni and Jalen hurts, like they are very much, I would say, you know, in the driver's seat for the foreseeable future, kind of like the chiefs are in the AFC from my perspective. So yeah, I would put a ball on that. I, I completely agree. Like that was a game where you never want to make a sweeping generalization of one game, but like, that's a game where you say, okay, well, I think we can still compete with this guy on the veteran deal because like, I mean, like you said, George, not just the deep balls, but the layered pass to Dallas Goddard, where it was, you know, between two defenders in a tight window, touch pass on the right sideline was just, I mean, like, I think one of the best throws he's ever had in his career. Um, I, I would have no issue paying him, but I think it'll be interesting. My, my takeaway is we're talking about Nick Sirianni, a lot of the good in-game decisions he made with Sean, Shane Steichen going to the Colts now, who calls plays for this team on offense right now. Is Sirianni going to take over play calling duty? Is he going to try to keep that with Brian Johnson? It sounds like their quarterback coach. They'll try to keep in, in the fold as the new OC. But, but you know, if he has to call plays, can he also still be that good at some of the edge cases on fourth downs and things like that? I, I think that will be very interesting to see going forward. They have two first-round draft picks as well. Um, and we'll talk about the draft here in just a second. All right, before we start talking about next season – Quick reminder that the PFF, the NFL Draft Guide, the best, most comprehensive set of analysis on the NFL Draft is live on pff.com, pff.com slash draft slash guide, or just go to pff.com and you will see it on the homepage. Uh, this is just the first uh, version of this. We're going to come out with multiple over the course of draft season with more updates, combine data. There's even going to be a version of the draft guide that is going to culminate after the draft with draft grades, projections for next season, simulation results. It's really going to be the best uh, draft guide season that PFF has ever put together. You can get that on pff.com right now. Also, go download the PFF app. The PFF mock draft sim is now live in the PFF app, as is the PFF Big Board, along with all of the great content 
right at your fingertips. So you get all of that access with a PFF Plus subscription. You can get 20% off the promo code FORECAST right now, F-O-R-E-C-A-S-T. It is a great deal. And if you buy now, the annual subscription takes you all the way through the next season. So you get all that fantasy and betting goodness plus a wonderful draft experience. Also, Western and Southern, our good friends at Western and Southern Financial are helping you make sure that you put your money to good use. Western and Southern has a game plan for you no matter what your financial goals are, whether it's building a family, buying a home, or just saving money. Western and Southern can put together a game plan catered to exactly what you want to deliver. Go to westernsouthern.com slash PFF to get started right now. Okay, uh, the, you know, it was nice that there was some football played around two dynamic, amazing musical performances. Uh, that was Chris Stapleton's national anthem and Rihanna at halftime. Let's start with the anthem. I'll just let you know, I, I thought it was over. Okay, we got we got the times before <laughs> we, we, you know, the rehearsal times. The second this dude starts the national anthem, I, I was just like, it's over. This is the this dude is carrying everything out. I mean, what the hell was going on? Uh, how nervous were you guys? I thought it flew over. I thought it was 10 seconds over. <laughs> Brave was like 15 seconds long. And I know the total for that was five seconds. So I was like, there's no way this goes over. And then like you start to see all this, the screenshots. I was like, I was under, I was like, holy, like it felt like the biggest over. And it was good, but it was, it felt over for sure. I don't know. I can't explain it, but it was I the know. longest two minutes of my life. That's for sure. <laughs> I know when when George gave it like under um two minutes and seven seconds, I think there was a couple books that had it as low as like uh one minute and like fifty nine seconds. And there was a there were chances where I think you could have got like an insane middle, right? And like I think there are some people who are probably sharp enough that did that. But yeah, I was I was timing it at the Super Bowl party I was at. And I don't know, I know some people had the under like two minutes seven seconds so it was a it was a fun fun ride and it did it did seem like it was gonna it was gonna be close but i think towards the end he uh he pulled it in nicely he, he picked he knew how much we needed it this is <laughs> what happened I, you know he could he could feel it um i i was timing it and um it it does like during the national anthem you're it's hard to kind of remember how much is left because you don't you know you're not thinking about the national anthem a ton during you know it's like you're it's not like it shows up on Spotify all the time, you know? So I'm kind of sitting there. It's like, it's one, I want to say it was like 120 in. And I was like, hey, he's got like two thirds of the song left to go. And in reality, he had like, I don't know, 20 words left. Um, and so it it uh, it came through. It was close though. And the guitar did not, uh, did not help things out. There's no doubt about it. Um, I will say, I thought that was one of the better national anthems. Like just... Nick Sirianni agrees. Nick Sirianni yeah. certainly agrees. No, but no, yeah, no, you, you're saying like you want to get a live angle and take the live over just based on his, yeah. you know, his scripted, his scripted plays out of the gate. Um, but yeah, he, he brought it home well. But yeah, it was really good. It was the, the music. We need live national anthem betting. <laughs> that that is actually the greatest thing that to come. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, okay, Rihanna, what did we think? What did we think about Rihanna? Obviously, run this town did not happen. I felt like an idiot because people that know Rihanna better than I do actually told me about better have my money. Had I listened to the song a little more closely, you could have seen why it made so much sense. Um, so that's, that's on me. Okay. Feel bad about that one. I thought the interesting thing was, um, you know, I had a bet down on a guest who was going to bring out um, 
And mm. she, you know, teased she was going to bring out a guest. Obviously, she did. It is her unborn second child. A great, great little play on words <laughs> by Rihanna there with the with the surprise guest appearance uh, being, you know, her, her being pregnant. Um, but nevertheless, I, I mean, to not have a guest to play like twelve straight bangers and just uh, it was it was great. I mean, if you're if you're not a Rihanna fan, I don't, I don't know what you're doing. I even heard Arjun got converted. <laughs> a little bit. I, I was getting a little bit hyped towards the end when I started recognizing some of the songs she was singing. <laughs> it was good. Um, the The outfit was incredible. Um, I'm getting, uh, I've already found it online. And so that'll be my, for the next year, uh, it's going to be the forecast outfit. The big red puppy. <laughs> only coat. one, only one outfit too. That that cashed as well, basically. I think she she only had one outfit. So that There's was... a bet on that. <laughs> Yeah, outfit changes basically. So it yeah. was and color. I was not expecting red either. I thought she would go more neutral color. Unfortunately, it also outfit, shows but... why she's a billionaire that she did a little makeup touch up in the middle of the set, just being mm. like, "Hey, by the way, like I've made more money on Fenty than I have on music." So I'm just gonna remind you of that as well. I'm a casual billionaire out here just performing. You know, it just you know, come on, come on. Yeah, I won't. I won't slander at all. Um, it was really cool. Unfortunately, did not go two for two on the songs. Um, so we'll, we'll be better next year. We'll prepare, do some research in the off season, come back stronger. Um, okay, let's uh, fast forward now into what's to come. So, um, you know, obviously that you can start betting Super Bowl futures for next year already. We have the draft coming up. We have season win totals. Just from your guys' perspective, maybe people that are new members of the uh, of podcast, members of the printing press, like which of these markets are the softest? I'll start with you here, Ben. Like as you think about where to allocate money during the off season, because not all of these things can cash <laughs> right during the off season. Like, what is your strategy um, as you head into the off season with betting? Yeah, I mean, I, I very much like you know the NFL draft is at the forefront, obviously being able to turn you know, bets over as quickly as possible makes that, but, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, very fruitful, but I also think just in general, like the, the lines are really soft. Um, you know, obviously the limits aren't there, but you can make a ton of money just by like being up to date on information, I would say from the NFL draft perspective. So I think like that's gotta be the main focus. I know we are also going to get some XFL, you know, action here relatively soon. Maybe we can get, you know, some, uh, you know, some, some, uh, you know, things going for that as well, but, from you know the the Super Bowl and futures price like right, right now how I'm approaching it is like I am very much trying to find you know if I do want to bet something I do want to make it maybe in like the mid tier to lower half on a, you know a couple teams that I think are going to at least increase in value and can make the playoffs and then from there if you have like a pretty good long shot on the team like this is very much where Philadelphia lived last year like you can you can do some things with hedging if they get into the playoffs and start to perform on some Super Bowl tickets so I think like from my perspective, like you, I, I'm not going to bet the chiefs right now. Cause I think, you know, tying up money for that long for a six to one return, especially when, you know, we don't know their schedule or anything. If they start off with a bad schedule, you're easily going to be able to get a better price on them, you know, three weeks into the season or whatever as well. So a lot of the top teams I'm avoiding, uh, but I am kind of looking for value either with a, you know, an established quarterback that I think can have a much better year than last year or a team that seems built outside of the quarterback position and could either land a veteran guy or get somebody that can quickly turn it around things. I would say on a, you know, uh, from a rookie's perspective. So I think there's a couple teams I like, I might not send them out 
right now, but I, I can definitely give them away for, you know, ones that I bet early on based on some promotions that some books have had, I would say. So, yeah, we'll make you make you give them out. Uh, yeah. Unlike our locks of the week, which, by the way, aside from the two long shots, we've uh, Arjun did the math here. Eight and three. Um, we had a couple of like seven to one and was like 14 to one or something like that. Uh, long shot. So Kenneth Gainwell knew how much we needed it. Miles Sanders, <laughs> all time disappointment of a uh, of a Super Bowl there. But you can't uh, you can't reap the fruits of those uh, of that labor the next week, right? With the uh, with the Super Bowl odds. So here they are: Kansas City six to one, as you mentioned, is on FanDuel. Buffalo is plus eight fifty. Uh, the Eagles are nine to one. The Bengals are nine to one. The Niners are nine to one. The Cowboys are fifteen to one. The Ravens are sixteen to one. Argens, Los Angeles Superchargers are 20 to 1. The Jacksonville Jaguars, the Detroit Lions, and the New York Jets are 25 to 1. The Rams, the Dolphins are 30 to 1. The Packers, the Browns, the Broncos, and the Saints are 35 to 1. Ben Browns, Minnesota Vikings, the Las Vegas Raiders, and the New York Giants are 40 to 1. Pittsburgh Steelers are 50 to 1. Uh, and that is where we get into Carolina Panthers territory. So I'll stop there. If there are any of those super long shots that you guys like, call them out. But uh, I'll start with you, Arjun. What do you like there? Yeah, there's there's two I've kind of had my eye on. Like Ben said, I don't know if I feel comfortable tying up my money for that long. But I am looking at, uh, number one, the Detroit Lions. Um, you know, I, I think having Ben Johnson back, it just boosts their stock tremendously this year. Um, you know, playing in a kind of weaker NFC, no more Tom Brady, potentially no more Aaron Rodgers. Uh, maybe they're in the mix for Lamar Jackson. Who knows what's going to happen there. But, um, you know, one of the pieces I did like a month ago was looking at offseason resources. They're in the 81st percentile in terms of overall offseason resources, 95th or 94th percentile in terms of, of draft capital uh, using a Brad's a draft draft value uh, chart. So, you know they're in a, they're in a great position to potentially make some moves even if they stick with Jared Goff i think their the floor of their offense will be high and Jamison Williams coming back will be great um so overall i'm kind of bullish on them um super bowl and i think you know their odds are uh might be a little bit high another one i like Miami Dolphins um i'm not the biggest Tua fan but i think just having Mike McDaniel as your offensive play caller Tyreek and Waddle um, and then they'll they'll probably invest in the offensive line a little bit. I mean, that's a I think they have a ton of offensive upside. And getting Vic Fangio, I mean, that's a huge upgrade from Josh Borier. I mean, Fangio's really changed the way that NFL defenses have kind of uh, shifted their like shells and structures. And I think he should be a good uh, upgrade in the coaching department there. And he's going to have a plethora of weapons to to use along the defensive line. And also um, kind of in the secondary, I, I am a little bit bearish on Xavier Howard long term, but I think Fangio could coach one or two good more one or two more good seasons out of him. So I like the Dolphins and Lions. Um, and I think Dolphins are also in a division where Bills could see some regression with guys like uh, Michael Hyde, Jordan Porter leaving and not really having that great of a receiving room. Brad, what about you? Yep. So the Lions, when you took, you know, right out of my mouth, and I think the big thing there is I think you can find edges on things that people aren't going to account for. So you mentioned, you know, keeping Ben Johnson in and then Jamison Williams, no one's going to view Jamison Williams as this. He's basically a brand new player next year, right? He had three touches this season. So in the same vein for me, the Jacksonville Jaguars also at 25 to one, Calvin Ridley, like people aren't talking about the fact they may have added a bona fide number one wide receiver at the trade deadline, um, you know, that they won't pay a ton of money and won't be restrictive of adding more talent. 
Um, but you drop them onto that team with the growth of everyone else around them with a super young roster with a bunch of recent, you know, high draft picks that need to get better, you know, particularly on defense. And then, yeah, the AFC South, I mean, Houston's still not going to be there. And Indianapolis, obviously not a very good team right now. Tennessee, I think the entire podcast probably bet they're uh, them to miss the playoffs this year. Uh, and they're only going to get worse next year. So uh, Jacksonville, to me, jumps out. And, and I like Detroit as well. What about you, Ben? Yeah, so I, I can definitely agree with all the teams in like the 25 to 1 region, the Jags, Lions, I Jets. I do see the bullish case for them. I think that's already been stated better than I can. So I won't really touch on them. I'm glad you mentioned the Carolina Panthers, so I don't have to, but they do intrigue me, I would say, in the NFC South. Um, I do st- I do really like Frank Reich. I think, you know, getting that job and landing in Carolina, I feel like he had to, in some ways, own his mistakes in Indy. Um, very much like going through like the veteran retreat quarterback option with a team that is, you know, seems close to ready outside of the quarterback position. So I don't think they're going to go hard in on, you know, a veteran quarterback, but I do think they're kind of are in a decent range to either trade up and get their guy, you know, on rookie deal. Um, You know, I am still somewhat bullish on Matt Corral as well. So I think, you know, him having the year off basically from injury, maybe he's, he's, he's at least, you know, a, a body. Matt Corral, Super Bowl sure. quarterback. <laughs> You heard it here. You first. never know what's going to happen here. So I do like them at 55 to one. I think they got a, you know, a much easier path than all the teams around them and could mm-hmm. easily win their division. So I do like them. And then one, I know I do kind of want to avoid the AFC, but you know, dropping a, you know, a tier below where the 25 to one teams are, I think Cleveland is probably set up to at least increase in value um, as we get closer to the season. I think if things break incorrectly for Baltimore, like, it isn't as tough of a division as people are probably mm-hmm. talking about right now. If you do believe that Cincinnati is going to have a little bit of a tumultuous offseason as well, like they're very much a team that not a lot of other people are going to be talking about or betting on. Uh, so I think, you know, you know, middle of the pack or something, I think they are at least a team that could definitely get into the playoffs. And then from there, like they, they definitely have players at key positions that if they do get back to where they have been previously informed, like they could very much make some noise in the AFC. So but love your Carolina Panthers uh, uh, piece there because Frank Reich, the difference between you know what they had there at the start of last season versus what they'll have now is ginormous, right? And um, you think about the NFC and how bad it is. You might have Aaron Rodgers moving from there. You've already lost Tom Brady. So I actually look at a team uh, in a similar position in the NFC and I look at the Chicago Bears. Chicago Bears have a ton of assets at their disposal to acquire players. They have a quarterback who, you know, I'm not going to compare Justin Fields to Jalen Hurts, but who a lot of people have, you know, decided to write off, who is a unique talent as an athlete, who, if he gets some talent around him, you saw what kind of talent Jalen Hurts now has around him, um, you know, that he could make some, make some moves there. So they're 65 one. They're obviously a huge long shot, but you might be getting Aaron Rodgers out of there. Um, in that division, you talked about the Lions. Yes, they're a great team, um, or it looked to be an improving and ascending team. Um, I wouldn't call the Minnesota Vikings a team that had, uh, you know, a, a disappointing to say the the uh, the least about it. Um, point differential this year as being the most intimidating, you know, group on the planet. So that's a super long shot. And then I think you mentioned the the Jets. I think the Jets are in a great position, right? They're, uh, you know, a quarterback away, but it seems as if there could be some opportunities there. I mean, I even think if they were to get a Jimmy G, uh, that that would be an interesting team given how much, um, 
you know, how much uh, talent they have around them. Obviously, if they get Aaron Rodgers, it'd be an interesting one. So, um, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, a real quick point on the Bears, because Arjun and I were talking about this pre-show. So another thing to look into, and maybe I'll make this into an article because it's more time-sensitive. If you also know a team has a bunch of resources or is going to make a bunch of moves, you can't bet that after March 13th. That, the, the value is mm-hmm. gone. So last offseason, I had futures on the Chargers and the, uh, and the Philadelphia Eagles because I knew, all right, quarterback going into the third year of his rookie contract, that is historically, you know, it's when the Cardinals and Giants went crazy for Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones. It's when the Bills traded for Stephon Diggs. Like every, you go back and look at these first round quarterbacks, the offseason where the team goes all in and basically says, mm. we're going to show this guy is a dude or if he's a dud and, and move on is that third year. Um, and Chicago, of course, that is in that position. Um, so yeah, that, that, you got to do it. Now. For that one, I agree with what we're saying. You don't want to have money tied up for basically a year. But for those ones where that's the angle, you can't really wait once free agency begins. The two teams with the worst Super Bowl odds next year. This gives me great joy. The Houston Texans, 28 to 1. I think everyone could see that one coming. And the Arizona Cardinals at 28 to 1. Um, 281. That, uh, yeah, that says a lot. Or sorry, yeah, 281. Yeah, thank you. Um, that says a lot about the uh, state of the Arizona Cardinals. Um, okay, so uh, the the draft is kind of the thing, you know, free agency and the draft are coming up now. Um I think it's worthwhile if people who are listening to this have never bet the draft before. I can't tell you the number of people that I've talked to who are betters that profit on the draft, all drafts. And then on the other side, I have yet to talk to a single person at a sports book that is excited about the NFL draft. <laughs> they all lose money on it. And I like a quote from someone that works at a sports book. It's like if I could, if I could guarantee lock in like even money on the draft. Got to take it right now. <laughs> so uh, it's going to be an exciting time. If you have not joined um, the printing press discord, it'd be a great place uh, to kind of get those uh, takes and get that information in real time. We'll obviously talk about it on here. The PFF NFL draft guide is now live. It's a great place to uncover um, all of the information that you need about all of these different prospects, go in and read more about them. So you can kind of make your own uh, informed decisions. It's got taken a big step up this year and there's some new uh, pieces to it that will be coming throughout the off season that you'll want to get uh, involved in. Also the free agency uh, big board and all of the work that Brad you're doing with the contract projections also super useful in terms of thinking about which teams might acquire whom who's out there, who they could add and what that would mean when they do add them. So there's a lot of opportunity over the off season to kind of uh, capitalize on all of this stuff. I think the draft personally is, is my favorite. I'm curious if you guys started looking in uh to to the draft at all and, and if so um what takes you guys have from the betting perspective uh, i have one bet in that unfortunately i guess can't get anymore but but this is the type of bet oh, I, I like there's, yeah, <laughs> there's, there's but but it ties into just a general thing of like playing against certainty like people there's way too much certainty in this space and so will levis was 10 to 1 to go first overall it's now like plus 450 but but mm-hmm. but again not just to brag about my seven to one lv okay so but more just like again like there's going to be consensus there's going to be a lot of these narratives and like i think being a contrarian a is the best way to go about it and then b i think sucker bets in the draft are like the the over under on total players at a position over under total guys from alabama and georgia like find individual in my opinion find individual bets mm-hmm. you like trust certain draft sources that you think put out good information and good intel and look at their mock drafts and see if there's a name that kind of keeps sticking. Um, I, I think where you get bogged down is trying to do the, 
you know, how many quarterbacks or how many whatever, just find particular, you know, cases where you think there is an edge to be exploited. Brad, is uh, is Zay Flowers' agent a, a good source to trust for the for the draft? According to Zay Flowers' <laughs> agent, he's a combination of Justin Jefferson, DeAndre Hopkins, and, and Devontae Adams rolled into one. Um, which the, the, is that the it? <laughs> couldn't, we couldn't throw Jamar Chase in there? I mean, yeah, about and, and a, a splash of Jamar. Right, and a splash yeah. of Jamar. And Kadarius. I mean, <laughs> Um, well, again, I, I guess uh, I, I do have um, – or I do think he's an interesting potential play for first receiver taken. I would say at the same time, though, we fall in love with, you know, senior bowl risers and these hot names mm. and yada, yada. He's like 5'11", 170 pounds. Like, at the end of the day, the NFL is changing, but also measurables and those things still do matter. And I think it's another edge where you're going to hear these flashy names and things happen, and yes, he's a good football player – um, is getting comped to guys like T.Y. Hilton, Deshaun Jackson. I've seen Antonio Brown comps out there. Um, I would have been surprised if he if he is uh, an Antonio Brown to Sean Jackson combo. But um, but yeah, also yeah, measurables matter. Like it's they're looking for trace. They're looking for translatable skills. There are Devonte Smiths of the world. Um, but he is a he he was a Heisman winner, not a, a Boston College superstar. So something that I think is interesting, and and there are some. Uh, numbers up, uh, at least on FanDuel that I'm looking at right now. And this is not good for my uh, my Chicago Bears take <laughs> and not good for Brad's uh, Brad's heart. But Jalen Carter is 5-1 to one to be the number one uh, player selected. And I've got to imagine that is uh, what they think the odds are of the Chicago Bears staying at one and drafting someone. Because uh, I don't think anyone is trading up to take Jalen Carter at number one. That's interesting because the odds should be a bazillion to one, uh, and they're and they're not. Uh, Brad, do you think that's like an accurate take on the situation? So it's the interesting thing you just wrote, brought up, which is find another way to bet the Bears not making. Like you're basically you said you're betting five to one on the Bears staying and making the pick. That's actually mm-hmm. what you're betting on. You're not betting on Jalen Carter going first. Um, no, I I think that they're going to trade down if they can, and I think there are going to be. Look, probably not Houston at two, but Indy at four, Carolina, you know, and um, and Tennessee at eleven. Carolina at seven or nine. There's all those teams. Are oh, the Raiders are at seven or nine? I'm flipping those through mm. my head, but I think all of those teams, even even Seattle sitting at five, I think is is a possible trade candidate as well. Um, so no, I would I would not be betting Jalen Carter to go first overall. But if the Bears stay, in my opinion, that is the pick. So. Yeah. Um... A lot of quarterbacks this year. First wide receiver drafted, which you mentioned, Zay Flowers is twenty-three to one. Quentin Johnston um, out of TCU is uh, the favorite at plus one sixty. Jordan Addison plus two fifty. Jackson Smith in Jigba plus two seventy, and Jalen Hyatt at plus four thirty are all ahead of Zay Flowers. Um, don't uh, don't just take our word for it. Head over to pff.com/mock and uh, get your mock drafts in. Um, tremendous work done by. Everyone here, uh, Brad, especially, you do so much for the trade uh, evaluations and compensation. So it's like a realistic, are you actually able to trade this player? Play, you can trade actual players in this thing, uh, which is just fantastic. And obviously, Timo Riske, who um, has been on the podcast before, uh, a legend in the background who makes the, the kind of draft mocks him, uh, mock drafts him uh, work. Um, but go check it out. Uh, get yourself prepared for the offseason. We will continue as we normally do um, with uh, the PFF forecast, so don't have to worry about that. Uh, back to our normal, our normal schedule. 
um, on Sundays and Wednesdays. Go check out the Printing Press Discord. Uh, the link is in the description. Go follow all these guys, Arjun Menon 100 at PFF underscore Brad and at PFF underscore Ben Brown. Thank you guys for hanging out. Love y'all. Peace.